It goes without saying that we have all been through a lot together over the last 18 months. On a personal and social level, we have experienced a crisis. As local leaders, we must plan for as many emergencies as possible. We must then follow those plans when and if not a crisis occurs. Today, this panel will discuss how to develop a crisis communication plan that can help us protect our residents and encourage open dialogue and trust. Please welcome Ryan Johnson from the city of North Charleston as your moderator. Y'all could clap, it's okay. And our panelists today, Columbia Police Chief Skip Holbrook. We have Williamston Police Chief Tony Taylor. And Bluffton Public Information Officer Debbie Spanka. And she brought her fan crowd with her. We really thank you all so much. At this time, please take over. Thank Sorry. you very much. Um, glad everyone's here today. Hopefully you're gonna get a lot out of the conference and definitely a lot out of the panel. So um, I'm not gonna bloviate. We're gonna allow these folks to be the experts today on uh, communication. So transparency is most important. Trust is built through transparency. We don't hide in our offices and we release documents in a timely manner because that's what we're supposed to do. Most importantly, never cover up information. In essence, no comment is no option. So what advice um, do you have for these elected officials and staff on transparency with media? Chief? No comment. <laughs> Debbie? That was good. You know, the easiest template for any response and any incident is that your public relationships are just like your private relationships. So if you're ever stuck, you then ask yourself, will this work with my spouse? Will this work with my child? Will this work with my best friend? And if it won't, it won't work with the community and it won't work with the media. Uh, let's go back to Chief Taylor. Uh, no comment is never acceptable, <laughs> ever. Because you can learn the art of saying something while saying nothing. You can learn the art of it. Um, and you know, if we just go back to my um, analogy of a private relationship, if you told your spouse, I don't want to talk about that, I'm not talking about that, what is that going to do? It's going to escalate your emotions, escalate the volume of the conversation, escalate demands. So we want to de-escalate and again, learning the art of saying something while saying nothing. You know, that answer is important to me as well. Um, I don't have the answer right now. However, you can always talk about process, but I will be doing A, B, and C to get to that answer, and as soon as I get it, I'll let you know. And then problem solved. So, Chief Holbrook, what do you think? I, I don't know that I could add much to that. I, we all know bad news doesn't get better with time. Um, so how we message things and, and the, how, how soon we can message it, I think is, is critical to how it's gonna end. Chief Taylor? Well, I ditto what she said there. Um, I think it's very vital that we do communicate with the community. Uh, I think it's very vital. And I, I think 
also it, that we need to cultivate a, a good media relationship uh, before anything drastic happens. That we need to have that relationship with the community from the onset and uh, have that dialogue uh, with, with, with the community and with, with the media as well. And um, Chief, you mentioned bad news doesn't get better with time. That also goes with documents that you might not want to release, um, but all, all of our documents are public. So it's better to go and get everything out at once, like you're saying, let the media have it and then deal with it accordingly. Um, and always provide um, an answer, even if you're not saying anything. So if you're waiting for a crisis to, to figure out your plan, um, your organization's media or crisis uh, communications plan, you've waited essentially too long. So um, what plans does your organization have in place and how have you deployed that plan in a crisis? We'll start with you, Chief. Over. Well, well thank you. And the, the first question, didn't give me an opportunity. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, and address you know our, our, our municipal leaders across the state. Um, I think the first thing that is critical is the relationship that you that I'll speak from a police chief's perspective that you have with your city manager or mayor. Um, I think it's the most important relationship um, of any position in city government. Um, my my colleagues on the front row here, um, um, some of the assistant city managers mm -hmm. may take exception to that. Um, but that relationship is so important with senior staff, with your manager or mayor, um, simply because everybody's got to be on the same page. You look completely dysfunctional if um, the, the police chief's saying one thing and the, and the manager is, is saying something else, thinking something else, or we have staff that is uh, speaking off a, you know, uh, speaking differently about a, a certain situation. Um, so tell me what your question was again. Communication plan during a crisis. Mm -hmm. What does the city of Columbia have? Well, you know, as we were preparing for this, we talked about, um, you know, different size cities. Uh, and, and to me, your communication plan is scalable. Uh, we, we obviously have the fortune of having a public information officer and, and, and at the police level and also at the city level. But um, I think it does start with the relationships that you develop with your, um, with your media. Uh, we... Um, we try to state our communication plan um, annually with, with our, our media folks, print and, um, and TV. We, uh, Columbia especially is a, a medium market where there's a lot of turnover, so there's new faces. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're constantly having to uh, reestablish a relationship with young reporters. Each one of those reporters um, oftentimes are, are pretty new. Some of them are straight out of J school. Um, they're wanting to win the next Pulitzer yep. um, or have the yep. next Watergate. Yep. So, yep. Um, mm -hmm. you know, some of the some of their tactics and questions um, are, um, you know, sometimes a little bit out of line. But, you know, I think it's you absolutely cannot give them not give them a response because they will take something in a direction that's you know counterproductive to, um, you know, your operations right. and, and credibility. All right. Chief Taylor, what's your crisis plan? Well, our crisis plan, uh, I think one of the most important things is, and I want to talk from a small agency standpoint, uh, I think actually the majority of your law enforcement agencies are small agencies or maybe 30 and below. Uh, one of the things is I want to tell the uh, mayors and city managers, people to make those decisions, is to make sure uh, from a law enforcement perspective is that you have, that you send your chief or send someone to PIO training, public information officer training. 
uh, because I, I don't think that, uh, I mean, things happen in small agencies or small mm-hmm. towns as well as in the big cities. So it's important that you prepare by educating your chiefs or getting people within that agency the proper training. The other thing is, is to have that relationship uh, with, with, with the mayor or with the city manager and establishing who that go-to person is doing those type of situations, whether you have a fire chief, if it's a natural disaster, whether it's the fire chief would have, have the run of that or whether it's something criminal or where the law enforcement would take the lead on that and making sure everybody's communicating and saying the same thing. So, so I think uh, from that standpoint of a small agency, um, having that plan means that you're gonna invest in the training uh, for uh, your people to be able to disseminate information and in, in doing it properly. And Debbie, can you talk about um, your communication or crisis management plan? Also, can you touch on the fact that there's a lot of small municipalities here in South Carolina? How would you recommend they deal sure. with communication? And I want to address for a second that big things happen in small places. So it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I mean, and just in South Carolina, you know, we all remember 2005, the chlorine spill in Graniteville, South Carolina. Uh, remember when Ted Kaczynski was arrested? That's a town less than a thousand. So just because you're small doesn't mean that you can't be inundated with um, a lot of media in a nanosecond, just something to keep in mind. Um, and just like any city or town project, you need an infrastructure for a response. So, you know, before something happens, if you don't have a communications department, know who's on first and who's on second. Um, You know, name one person the spokesperson. And and just as a note, you know, we all know that elected officials uh, want to show that they care to the community during a critical incident, but you don't need all five or seven people up at the podium saying the same thing. That's not conveying that your citizens' um, concerns are the most important thing on their mind. Um, I've always said that 99% of the world's problems can be solved if you know your audience and you know your role. So what does my audience need right now? Let's just say it's a hurricane or a weather event. What do they need to know? Who are they? And what's your role? You know, know what your jurisdiction is. You can't speak for another agency, like Chief Taylor said. What can you provide them? And the mission of any critical incident, and I got this from a course, but I keep repeating it, is getting the right information to the right people at the right time so they can make the right decisions for their lives. So before speaking, what what does Joe and Josephine Smuckatelli on the Lazy Boy in their living room need to know? They don't need to know that 35 trees are down. They need to know what roads they're down on. They don't need to know that, oh, you know, the storm wasn't so bad. We only had 500 outages. Where are the outages? Can I go to work? Can I go grocery shopping? Think again of your audience. Think again of the information you can provide. And think again of what they need. And, and that's pretty much the template. Excellent. So what's that name? Joe, Joe who? Joe Smuckatelli. Joe Smuckatelli. And Josephine. Okay. Josephine yeah. and He'll Joe be in the back signing autographs after this. <laughs> um, so Chief Holbrook, you touched on it. Um, having a relationship with your um, local media or regional media is very, very important. Um, And beforehand, Chief Taylor, you were talking about proactively building that relationship. So how how have you um, undertaken that role? Well, uh, with that is this. One of the things is that we realize is that media sometimes, they're always looking for something. 
And what I like to do is cultivate that media by always giving them something positive to look at when it comes to our agency or what we're doing in our community. So uh, one of the things that you can do is, is that you, sh you should tell your story before someone else mm, tells it. Amen. You should always be able to tell your story because nobody can tell your story like you can tell your story. Mm -hmm. so, so one of the things that you want to do is, <laughs> is um, one of the things that you want to do is that don't wait for something bad. Kill them with all the good stuff that you got going on mm -hmm. and tell your story. Because if you don't tell it, when something bad, they're going to tell. And so you want to always shape that and you always want to drive it and tell your story. And, and those are some of the things we do. We do a lot of Facebook media, too. When you talk, talk about media, it's not just news, but it's Facebook media. It's, it's all those type things, too, uh, that you have to look at. and You have to have an ongoing presence and, and, and tell your story. Um, I'll interject and uh, give one really good tip, especially with how social media is going. Um, City of North Charleston, we recently undertook a racial bias audit with our police department, um, and we knew it was going to be covered by the news. What we did with the release of that, we already had a speech um, that was prepared from our chief of police that when the report went out, his videoed speech was on social media. Um, so that was the first crack the public had to look at that. So taking a proactive approach at that is, is always, always preferred. Don't wait for them to fill the air. You send out the message you want to hear with whatever the news might be, whether it is a crisis or, or um, anything else. So um, sorry about that. Can I piggyback? Absolutely. Um, thank you, Chief, for that. Um, and strictly as a PR case study, I'm going to talk about a personal uh, situation in my life. I own retired racing greyhounds um, and I, you know I fell into it about a decade ago but this is a classic PR story if, if you don't tell your story someone else will and it can ruin your industry and um, well and everything. So I own re retired racing greyhounds um, straight from the track and when I fell into this, I, I didn't know what to think about the industry, but I have never been involved in such a loving community of veterinarians, trainers, of this big love bubble over this breed. Um, however, the greyhound industry uh, 40 years ago did not have that um, standard of operation and did have a pretty horrible reputation for abusing these dogs. They did no PR for 40 years. So in 2018, when Florida banned racing, that's 75% of the industry, they will eventually annihilate that breed um, in the United States unless they're you know, a show dog. So this is a classic, just as a, as a case study, this is a classic example of if you don't tell your story, someone else will, and it could ruin your profession and it can ruin your industry. Um, and, you know, and just again, as a PR case study, if you compare horse racing to greyhound racing, one is celebrated, one is vilified, and the only difference is marketing and public relations. So again, just as a case study, that, that was kind of personal to my heart because I don't know how am I gonna adopt another greyhound after mine passes, but um, it can ruin the industry. So if you can just you know, take that as a, as, a, as a classic study of what happens if you don't tell your story. Right, tell your own story. Uh, Chief Holbrook, how are you cultivating your relationship and your agency's relationship with your local media, and how are you doing that proactively? 
Well, it, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's a challenge every day, uh, <laughs> as I mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, really because of the market we're in. Mm -hmm. um, we, um, you know, COVID has changed things a little bit, but we annually will bring all of our, our media folks in and, um, you know, tell our story, uh, just like Chief Taylor said, um, make introductions. Uh, we showcase some of the um, initiatives that are important to us and we, th we think are important in the community. But, um, you know, to piggyback on the, the, the Greyhound um, mm -hmm. example, um, that's where we are um, in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. we've, we've let, um, you know, a few bad actors mm -hmm. define our, our, our profession right now and, and correcting that narrative is, um, you know, critical to 21st century policing. and. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's the space we're in right now. And what we see, we have to work every single day to do that. And um, keeping up with that narrative and following what's on social media, I'm, you know, I'm, I started in 1987, so I'm, I'm not skilled at that. There are plenty of people that are, um, especially our young officers um, and our, our young, you know, a lot of our younger folks that are in um, communications, they're great at, uh, at um, tracking things on social media platforms and, and it really um, keeps us up with some of the narratives that are oftentimes negative uh, because you gotta, you gotta correct them quickly or they just, you know, it's like starting a story on this end of the room and by the time it would wind around and get back over there, it's gonna be a complete disaster and it's gonna be misinformation. Um, so I, I think that is super, super important in the world that uh, we're, we all work in right now. And. Um we're talking about building trust with our the people that live in our cities, our residents, and um, I've I've got I'm pretty passionate about local media versus national media. Um, if you do have a national crisis that does occur, um, as the city of North Charleston did when we had one of our police officers um, shoot an unarmed man in the back, everyone knows the name uh, Walter Scott, and I think they should. Um, but we had national media and we had local media come in. Um, the local media lives in our city. They care about what's happening next week. They care about our local council meetings, not just the, a flashpoint. So um, I, I think that if something were to happen like that, again, um, I would only talk to local media. Because the national guys can get the same content mm -hmm. that, the, that the local folks have, but I would only talk to local media, and that's just from the way that the national media was, they treated staff, they treated local media themselves, el literally elbowing them out of the way kind of thing, mm. but remember, the folks that report on you every day live in your community. The national guys, they're gonna be off to the next forest fire or the next um, natural event or shooting or whatever it may be, so um, know their names, know who they are, trust them because they'll eventually trust um, who you are. Um, Chief Holbrook, you touched on the advancements in technology since um, you, you began your career. Um, we now have body-worn cameras. Um, everyone has a camera in their pocket that they can send to the world in seconds. So um, what impact of technology on um, policing or uh, on your policies and your policing, how has technology um, changed that over the years? And how, what are you doing to utilize the latest technologies on your, your behalf, your agency's behalf? Well, I think technology in general is a force multiplier for us. And, mm. you know, any, any police officer that, that operates, you know, um, um, not understanding that they're always on video or, or being uh, audio taped, um, you know, that's, that's a 
fatal flaw. We've, um, we've had body cameras since 2015 um, um, from everybody on patrol. Um, those body cameras have um, shown a return on investment daily. Um, they help us get to the bottom of a problem quickly. Um, I think they have kept everybody in check. They've lowered the temperature in the room, um, you know, time and time again. Um, it, it really is commonplace now. There's, a, there's an expectation that, you know, the, all the situations are being uh, audio and videotaped. Um, same thing with the equipment in the cars, that uh, there's an expectation that in-car cameras on. Uh, the only thing that is a little bit of a challenge for us is, uh, with that expectation is that it's always going to capture everything. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be clear um, visually, audibly, um, and it's going to completely tell the story. And that's not, that's not the reality. Uh, you, you're going to have human failure. You're going to have technical failure. Um, you're you're going to have quality issues. There'll be connectivity issues. But by and large, um, tech, technology is probably what is, um, you know, many were afraid of. It's probably what is preserving uh, the integrity that we see every single day from the men and women that are on the front line at law enforcement. Um, it's reinforcing that, that, that they are very courageous, very ethical, um, constitutionally police, and it allows us to tell our story quickly. Uh, Debbie, how are you guys using technology? Um, and I just want to back up for a second. I keep reminding myself and people younger than me that social media is a tool, not an obsession or a lifestyle. But if you use it as a tool, and remember it's a tool because it, it can get a little um, crazy land, it's a wonderful tool. And a great example that we used in the town of Bluffton is during Hurricane Matthew 2016, when our community really hadn't had a significant storm in almost 60 years, our community, you know, of course, the newcomers were out of practice. So, and we, and the interagency communication was a bit rusty. So our mayor went out in her rain jacket and umbrella, like three, four times a day, soaking wet, and gave real-time Facebook lives update about, you know, coming uh, as the storm came, as it came, as it left. Uh, recovery and I think it was kind of one of our most famous moments to date um, because people were incredibly grateful for that real-time information especially for a community that was a bit rusty in terms of preparation and reacting to storms. How are you guys using technology to help the cause? Well I think one of the things with uh, when we look at our body cameras I think it's important that you know the policies that your agency has policies that have been vetted uh, because that camera is a lifesaver for us. A lot of times we get complaints, we go back and look at the camera and we say, no, that didn't happen. So, so it, it is a lifesaver for us. The other thing is we use that technology, for example, a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things we do within our community is that we use that social media um, from the mayor, uh, and uh, he uses social media on a consistent basis to inform the community of what's taking place. Uh, but from a law enforcement perspective, we used that social media a couple of weeks ago. I got in the car at one of the guys and actually went Facebook Live and talked about what these officers done. You know, what do they do on the streets every day? Uh, you know, and the things, and we talked about that and uh, went Facebook Live with that and uh, actually went out and done some community policing and different things like that and actually went Facebook Facebook Live to give the people a sense of what our officers are doing and how well they do their job. Mm -hmm. So with social media, you can use it to your advantage. And like you said earlier, is that we need to drive that narrative. 
We need to drive that narrative. And whether you're a small agency or a large agency, let's drive the narr narrative in a positive light and, and uh, educate the public because I believe it's important that we educate because of the misinformation that we have. So we use technology for a lot of things, just education, to stay in contact with the public, to educate the public on a consistent basis. And I think it's also important to remember that you as the elected officials or the mayors or administrators, you're not the only spokesperson for, or the PIO is not the only spokesperson for your city. So every time there's a traffic stop or a code enforcement officer goes out, they're your city spokesperson. So it's so important to have a good message to throughout your entire staff and, and all employees. Um, also, using those technologies, um, they've created a billion shows of um, harrowing police chases from dash cameras and these things that happen on body-worn cameras. Use those technologies to your, your advantage. Even if it's something like um, one of your officers or somebody helps somebody across the road. People love that stuff, but it shows a more human side of, especially in law enforcement, the, the little positive things. You know, you don't, you don't have to eat the whole elephant at a time, one bite at a time. Good news stories, positive things, because you know you have hired people that you trust and that are going to do your city right. So yeah. make sure one, yeah, one of the things I want to say too, one of the things we ran into last week, um, our officers made an arrest and uh, made an arrest the guy with some marijuana and got a gun off of him and, and uh, it was posted on Facebook and my God, we got inundated from all across the United States because of the uh, marijuana deal, you know, and, uh, and they got hammered, they got hammered uh, making comments that we were fascists and different things like that. So one of the things that I did do is I went right back up on the video and put my uniform, went right back on the video and basically told them we we're gonna enforce the laws in the state of South Carolina. I wanted to tell them if you don't like it, don't come to South Carolina, but I didn't say that. I didn't say that, but, but what happened was um, I was able to call some of my uh, colleagues and make sure you have a Facebook policy mm -hmm. because because uh, in some situations, and I'm sure the chief can maybe speak to that, is, is that as a public forum, and you can't just delete. It, it would seem like you can just go on there and hit delete, I don't like this person, abandon this person. So, so make sure uh, that you have a policy, and, and uh, I got with the mayor, and, and one of my colleagues sent me a policy, and we're gonna be discussing that, and hopefully we're gonna be creating that policy for Facebook, because you would think you can just go on and just delete it because you don't like it. Well, you start talking about freedom of speech mm -hmm. and different things like that. So uh, that's one of the lessons we learned last week by doing, you know, going through that, these young officers getting hammered by people from all over the world, you know, and those kind of things. But, but make sure that you have a policy, a Facebook policy that's applicable and has already been vetted and, and, and use that particular policy uh, for, for your social media. And I'm gonna piggyback on that. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in the police academy, I remember one of the lessons was Remember, um, people have a right to criticize the government, and you are the government. So there's, you know, we live in a very divisive world, and I think we have a lot of keyboard warriors that um, only have confidence behind the keyboard, but because they criticize you, you know, it's not personal. They, um, they have a right to criticize you. And a matter of fact, we had an incident over the weekend in which this, is, this was uh, crazy because somebody did a Photoshop of a post, so it looked like a Bluffton Police Department post, but it was about crashing a car you know, into a suspect for a minor traffic violation. 
and then posted it in the comments section of the Bluffton PD Facebook. So it appeared to be real, and um, it, it wasn't. And I've never we've been we were spoofed. It was um, it, 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 it was a different kind of. Uh, situation because we didn't know where it came from, but it looked very official. So there's all kinds of things that of course can happen um, in the digital world and people are getting better at it. But again, piggybacking on what Chief uh, Taylor said is that people have a right to criticize us. That's an American right and it's unpleasant. Um, but FOIA laws, um, you can't, unless it's defamatory or unless it's fake, like we had last weekend, you can't delete it. Um, I, let's dig a little deeper into uh, the use of social media because um, the news, you can have a 10 minute long press conference or 30 minute long, you're only getting 15 or 30 seconds. It doesn't matter. So um, uh, Chief Taylor, you've talked about the, the marijuana bus in incident. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Chief Holbrook, do you have any instances where you didn't rely on the media, you just went your own way and got your own message out through social media? Uh, we sure do. We, we do that every day. Uh, we, um, everything we release to the public um, or release to the media, we post on our website. Uh, we um, also share, you know, officers caught doing something good. Um, we push that out every single day. Um, we've started an initiative this year where, um, you know, we have, a, we have a gun violence problem. And, and as everybody has seen over these last six months, it's not just our larger municipalities now, it's, it's statewide, no matter what your size is. And um, we have a gun problem in our state. Mm -hmm. um, we, we try to emphasize um, just that issue every single day in Columbia by um, posting the, the farms that we seize, um, where they were seized from. And, and it, just to put things in context, to see the frequency, the amount of guns that were taken off the street um, is, it should be a, a shock to the conscious, and, that, and that's you know that's really what we're trying to do. But um, we um, we rely very heavily on our social media platforms, and and, and again sharing um, news of the day, but but also our messages. And um, we may talk about it in a minute, but um, you know we we also use that to um, push our publications. You know we we think it's very important in, in our efforts to be transparent uh, to produce an annual report every year an internal affairs report, um, a strategic plan, update on our strategic plans. Um, you know, after the civil unrest that, that um, we had this past year, we took a very, very critical look at our response um, and we, we were critical of ourselves and we, we, you know, we made that a public document and we put all that on our, on our site for anybody to, to review and, you know, ask questions about, and, and again, I think anytime you can acknowledge you've made a, you've had a misstep, you could do something better. Mm -hmm. It humanizes what we, we do. People can relate to that. Um, I know, you know, anytime we have an issue, um, and I have a discussion with my manager, she the I know the first thing she's going to ask is, okay, how do we make sure that doesn't happen again? Um, so um, the that's that we get that question because that's what a citizen's going to want to know. Uh, you know, th thank you for being up front, but how are we going to correct this and make sure it doesn't happen again? Um, Debbie, how are, you, how are you guys ensuring your message continues to get out without a sole reliance on, on the media? On, the, with on the media showing up with the cameras or the pens, pads, and whatnot? You know, I mean, communication, just like I said, is like a private relationship. So it is a conversation with your community. 
So, of course, in social media, um, it is a conversation. It's a pretty day. It's a beautiful sunset. Not only about the projects and the policies and government stuff, but just what makes our town special. So anything that creates a conversation um, is always, I think, um, a, very appropriate to put on social media as well. And we always are trying to cultivate our relationships. We all have those reporters that are trying to win Pulitzer Surprise, and they're just, you know, they're at a rest stop on our town before they get to their big career move. And some of them can be challenging. However, you know, when there is a tone or a tenor of an article or a story that is, um, that we don't think is fair, I, I do believe you, you keep your friends close, but your media closer. You know, see if they need to be educated on government processes. Some of our processes are very complex, especially in terms of development, development projects. Uh, sit down with them, educate, 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 and then educate some more. If they get something wrong, give them some grace in the beginning and try to educate them. Um, I remember when I was working with the sheriff's office, we didn't like the tone of an article about an officer-involved shooting, so we invited that reporter to come and walk in the shoes of an officer and go through a, a simulation shoot-note-shoot shoot exercise and see if, if they could, in a split-second decision, make uh, the difference between a grandma with a Bible or a bad guy with a gun. And I think, you know, if you let them come closer, let them experience what you experience, let them walk in your shoes if, if you can arrange that, that does help with perspective and that does help build that bridge um, with the media as well as your community. Some people just don't understand what you're doing or how you're doing it and, and that education is important. Um, and talking about media reporters, especially TV reporters, they are fresh out of school, especially mm -hmm. in South Carolina. We don't have any big, big markets. So um, even though they are trying to win a local Emmy or Pulitzer Prize or whatever, they generally, when they show up, they don't know anything from anything. So use that to your advantage. Invite them in. Teach them about your city. If it's whatever topic it is, especially, I, they pretty much have the script for shootings or uh, fires. They're going to they're gonna go talk to Chief Holbrook or Chief Taylor, and they're going to say their piece, and they're going to go find the most inflammatory person in the community to talk to mm -hmm. for the counterpoint, right? So... Make sure that relationship is there and educate them because with complex things in government rezonings and things that affect a lot of people, they're not going to know much about or really care a lot about because tomorrow they're going to be on to another right. car crash or, or house fill fire. in the air time. Yeah. And, and, and let me say something too. I think that uh, Chief Holbrook said earlier that I, I won't just go back and touch bases a little bit is that when you make a misstep, take ownership. Never avoid the media. Never run from the media. I know back in 2013, when I became chief, chief of police in 2013, had an officer that um, ended up doing an investigation, into a proper investigation, ended up the wrong person was arrested. So when the media came, I, I owned up to it and said, we, as an agency, I didn't throw that person under the bus or whatever and say, that cop did it. And they, but I said, we made a mistake. And in two days, it was over with. In a couple of days, it was over with. Now, like you said, we put processes in place where that wouldn't happen again. But the fact is, is that we owned up to our mistake and because we are human. 
And I think that's important that you do not avoid the media or run from the media is if you make a misstep, then you take on it. Then you, what was that? I don't know. <laughs> you got your sidearm? Okay. <laughs> that sounded like a gunshot to me. I told, I told that sounded like a gunshot to me. I was like, no, I might get up here and uh, y'all see me run. Y'all better run. I can tell you that right now. If you see me run, you best to run. Don't y'all. Don't you be saying, what is, what is he running for? Yeah. What is he running for? Yeah, just remember, you, just run. you don't have to be the fastest. You just have to be faster than Chief Taylor. That's right. <laughs> there you go. But, but, but what I was saying earlier, just take ownership because what's the worst thing they can do? They can't eat you, right? So the best thing to do is take ownership. In a couple of days, that was over, and, and we put those processes in place to make sure that wouldn't happen again. And, and, uh, but those are things that, that you learn along the way, but I would tell you, that you need to take ownership when you do have that misstep. Mm -hmm. And, and I like to say, you know, again, using a law enforcement analogy, that the cover-up is always worse than the crime. Uh, you know, if, we all have negative situations, and it's kind of like walking barefoot over hot coals. Don't keep putting coals on the path, and don't make the path longer. Just walk over it and get it over with. Um, I wrote down a couple of great examples um, that I think are some some good guideposts in terms of. Uh, how to do it and how not to do it. If we all remember the Tylenol incident in 1982 where uh, seven people died in Chicago from the cyanide poisoning of tampered capsules, they, uh, Johnson & Johnson took 31 million bottles off the shelf nationwide because of one city, and obviously seven people died, so that's, that's serious, but they, they bit the bullet, they did what they needed. Uh, where's Tylenol now? making money hand over fist. Um, you know, and again, strictly as a PR case study, you know, the Catholic Church offers possibly a example of what not to do. Uh, two decades later, after moving priests around and not addressing the problem head on, they paid $4 billion to 17,000 uh, victims. And there's, there's a big loss in terms of liability. The biggest loss is trust. And once you, you know, going back to if you have trust, if you don't have trust, you don't have a relationship anymore. Um, Debbie, you'll know the answer to this question. When, at the end of a, when you're giving an interview to a reporter and they say, do you have anything else to add? What do you say? Nothing, right? <laughs> Every single reporter will ask you that is thank you, or they'll start out with say and spell your first and last name. And they'll always end with, do you have anything else to add? <laughs> Do we have anything else to add? No. No. Okay. Because that's where they get you on the soundbite. Or dead air. They'll ask you a question and then they'll just sit there. And I'm staff. I'm not a politician, so I can say this. Y'all love to talk. <laughs> if there's dead air, don't feel obligated to fill it. Okay. You only need to answer what they ask you. Um, and only answer what's beneficial to you in, in a beneficial manner. So, um, all right, so let's go some more, some big stuff. So uh, Chief Holbrook, give us a couple of big lessons that you've learned in your career about getting information out in a crisis. Well, I, I think what has been the greatest challenge in my career has really been in the last 18 months. Um, you know, how we are able to keep ahead of the narrative on, say, officer-involved shootings, for example, um, is, very, is very difficult, especially when we're um, struggling between 
um, you know, being transparent without um, having something affect the integrity of an investigation. And then um, certainly because we use outside agencies uh, to do that and they're doing a criminal investigation, it's just a, it's a balancing act. And sometimes um, the, the, the chief has to, you know, make a decision for the, for the greater good uh, of the, you know, of the, um, of the citizens versus, you know, how that, how that uh, investigation is tracking. Um, we also have seen, and we continue to see examples of this with um, our, our civil unrest and our social justice movements that, that we see. Um, our, our social justice activists, um, a lot of young, their, their hearts and minds are, are, are well-placed, but um, there's such a, there's so much misinformation out there. And, and again, if you're not constantly trying to correct that, and develop those relationships real time, um, you know, with these individuals and these groups. As difficult as the conversations can be, um, you know, they were they're going to you know continue to create that narrative. Uh, what I found interesting um, throughout the you know our period of civil when we had civil unrest in Colombia, and then we had 60 days of protests. I mean, we're a capital city um, at, at Gervais and, and Main Street, um, you know, almost on. Uh, every day of the year, um, there's something going on at that, at that intersection at the state capitol. And, and we, have to, we have to manage that. Every day we're, you know, we're there to provide safety for whatever the message is, whoever's assembling. But um, you know, what we found, with, especially with law enforcement is, and this would be nationally, much of the um, criticism that, that, that we were receiving um, was, was not accurate. And many of the, the, the demands, if you will, that were um, being asked, we, we had had, you know, best practices in place for, for years. Um, whether it was, you know, banning chokeholds is a great example. You know, we, we don't, we have never trained to, to choke people. And, um, you know, we had to demonstrate that though through policy, uh, through actions, through videos, um, you know, no knock warrants. I've, I've been a police officer for over 30 years. I've never, in, in never participated in a no-knock warrant, except in a special operations situation. Um, that's just not common. But if if you would listen to you know some of the information, some of the rhetoric, it is that was just a standard operating procedure nationally, and that's that just wasn't the case. So, you know, correcting correcting that narrative or reinforcing the um, the industry standard policies and procedures that are in place. Um, I think we're just mission critical for what we were trying to accomplish. Uh, Chief Taylor, what's some of those big lessons that everyone can take away? Well, I, I think one of the things, and I speak from a small agency pers perspective, is uh, I remember the riots. I think we had two people at a riot one day. Uh, you know, two. Yeah, two people. But, 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 but let's talk about, because what is a crisis? Because a crisis could be anything to anybody. Just don't have to be on a national level. A crisis for me is getting a call at, at seven o'clock in the morning by a previous mayor that was upset because the traffic lights were out and there wasn't any uh, traffic control. That was a crisis. A crisis could be a mother calling me and saying, why are the police harassing her son? He's been stopped two or three times. That's a crisis. So, on the big scale, big cities, yeah, have a lot of stuff going on. But from a small town, 
is that anything can be a crisis. So what have I, I've learned? I've learned to take time out and listen. I've learned to take time out and have a discussion. I've learned to take time out when the mayor, because it's a strong mayor, if he calls me and he believes it's a crisis, it's a crisis. And I've learned how to respond to those kind of things and not saying, ah, that ain't nothing. Because if it's important to them, it's important to me. So I've learned, the biggest thing I've learned out of this is that people have value. And when we value people, they value the organization, they value your town, they value your city. And Debbie? Uh, I'm not sure I can follow that. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm going to piggyback on what Chief said. People, again, everybody just wants to be heard. Even if you, just, if you disagree with them, they just want to be heard. Even if you completely disagree with them, you know, um, thank you for your feedback. Uh, we'll take it under consideration. I do think most PR situations can be solved by three lines. Please, thank you, and I'm sorry. Um, you know, here's an example. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and again, this comes to basic human psychology, but it works. Um, even, even when you want your citizens to do something, sometimes I kind of think, you know, pretend like they're children and you thank them for the behavior in advance. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for not driving on this road. Um, but again, please thank you, and I'm sorry. And, if, and in the worst case scenario, when you do have a combative uh, reporter or just really kind of a negative uh, alpha dog situation going on, I, I one time gave this advice to uh, my former boss. I said, you got to pretend this media person is your ex-spouse who you do not like and you do not trust, but you adore your children. And in this analogy, the children is the community, the children is um, the public. So don't get baited by this one-on-one -on -one alpha dog fight here. Keep your eye on the ball, and the, and the ball is your community, the people who you serve. Excellent. So, I wanna, so let's see if we can wrap this all in a bow with some of these really, really good points that the, these folks have made. So um, we need to have the art of saying something while saying nothing. Um, most importantly, never cover up. Bad news doesn't get better with time. Re build a relationship with your city administrator and mayor, if you're not already one. Um, make sure they're in man crisis management. Make sure everyone's on the same page. So communication, communication. Everyone needs PIO training or communication training. Uh, provide positive news. Uh, you tell your own story before someone else has the opportunity to do so. Use technology to your benefit. Take ownership of mishaps. The cover-up is always worse than the crime. Big things happen in small places. Um, know your audience and know your role. In law enforcement, um, you have to correct the, help correct the narrative of a few bad actors. Um, Use data and um, to your advantage. Stay ahead of the narrative. Build relationships with naysayers and counter activists. Um, and at the end, these are really good guys. Take out time to listen. Um, say please, thank you, and I'm sorry. And most importantly, people, no matter who they are, have value. So thank you all. Turn it over. Come on, give them a, y'all can do better than that. They did a great job. <laughs>